We are the tide from the north. We're brave and we're bold. Defeating our rivals never gets old. Making our way to the big sky conference. Watch out, cause here comes the silver and gold. Welcome back, Mighty Vandals, to Tubs at the Club, the Idaho Vandals affiliate on the Big Sky Podcast Network. I'm your host, Dallas Hammer, joined today by producer-seducer, Martin Heemstra. Martin, how's it going? It's going well. It's Sunday afternoon. The Seahawks, I think, are still winning their game, so all is good right now. And last but certainly not least, we have our best and brightest, Brian Marceau. Brian, how's it going? Could not be going better, man. Had a kick-ass time at homecoming. Had a ton of Tubbs listeners come up to me and say say real nice things about the show. By the way, dudes, we love meeting every single one of you guys uh, when we're we're live at games. So if any of you guys have reservations, please pull us aside. Tell us how much we suck or if we're okay. But it was fun as hell. Uh, met the uh, Duffer's Tavern people. Found some interesting stuff. That's uh, Andrew, who uh, talked to for a while. Nick Davis, one of our favorites. There's a ton of people we met, guys. We love we love the whole thing. I am done talking about the pregame stuff, Dallas, but it's going well. Yeah, I want to double down on that. I might look frightening, but uh, I do have a handful of people come up and talk to me every game. Uh, It is always a pleasure to meet listeners. Uh, Makes us feel a little bit more important and like, hey, people actually care about what we do. So it is it is very appreciated. Any of the kind words you guys have. And if you have awful words, please, I I thrive on that. Uh, I don't take compliments well. I do take criticism well. So with that said. We're just going to get right into it, guys. This is Around the Bar brought to us by Hughes River Expedition. We'll get to that a little bit later in the show. We're going to recap homecoming. Idaho took down Northern Colorado 55-35 yesterday on homecoming weekend behind the strength of 560 offensive yards, 298 on the arm of Giovanni McCoy, 262 total on the ground. The Vandals' defense took a little bit to get started as Idaho actually trailed 13-10 and 20-17 to at two different points of the second quarter. Started to look a little doom and gloom there. Little bit of panic as we, at least for me, I felt eh, this could be the old Petrino, Petrino offense and Petrino defense and just mistakes and miscues. And oh man, we should be pummeling this team. But then Idaho took 46 seconds to score at the end of the second half after UNC took that 20 to 17 lead. Idaho then goes up 24 to 20 and never looked back. Looked back that that touchdown at the end of the second half kicked off a 38 to 8 run that put this game well out of reach again. Final score was 55-35, but realistically, UNC's backup scored on Idaho's backups with a minute left. A little bit closer than 55-35, or a little bit farther apart than 55-35 was. Uh, Martin, I'm going to go to you first. What what went well yesterday? What, what was good about homecoming? Besides just seeing the Dome, absolutely, there's a like packed compared to what it was for the Drake game. For me, like what went well was the was the running game. It did take a little bit to get going, but once it got like you could tell, like they were just sort of staying faithful to it. And eventually, once Northern Colorado's defense just started getting tired, those big runs started to just start breaking. And it was just as an offensive lineman, it warmed my heart to see just all those all the the big runs they had the entire second half. Yeah, dude, running game took a little bit of time to to really pick up the first. Uh, first couple drives, I, Idaho looked much more effective passing the ball, which I guess that's that's one of the things I'm, I got to talk about is, man, uh, Giovanni McCoy, 
absolutely kick-ass game. Uh, again, efficient as hell. He's 22 to 27, 298 yards, throws four touchdowns. Uh, keep in mind, dude, also of his incomplete passes, at least one or two were throwaways. So like the, it's the in- incomplete passes, the correct play for those plays. But running the ball, it took Idaho a little, little bit of time to get rolling. Uh, but it was really about in the second quarter, especially, man, on that second, the last drive of the second half Dallas was talking about where Idaho scored in about a minute. Uh, the big plays on that drive were were runs. Uh, at least one of them touchdown came from Elijah Cummings. So, uh, yeah, dude, the r- running game eventually did absolutely pound Northern Colorado. Uh, but I, I also don't want to overlook how well Idaho looked just honestly in all, all facets of offense for most of that game. I mean, if you look at the like the drives themselves, Idaho, Idaho took a while. Idaho's really not punting. I'm, I'm slightly concerned that Ricardo Chavez is going to have atrophy in that left leg that he punts with. He kicks with his right leg because uh, just moving the ball in Jason Eck was, is doing what we want him to do. What he talked about his opening, opening press conference, Dallas of there isn't just a system. Idaho's play calling Idaho's strategy is going to respond to what's effective. And when Idaho d- was not rushing the ball quite as effective early, we, we went to McCoy's arm and it worked, which then opened up the run game. And by that point, the Northern Colorado defense, um, at least defensively against Idaho's offense, they were just outclassed. Yeah, absolutely. The, the, the change in offensive structure and, and play calling adapted throughout the game. And it was, it was unbelievable to see. It was no more, I, I hate to keep bringing up the old regime, but we'd, we'd see the offense just stuck in the same motions, doing the same thing over and over and over and over. And while it felt like there was a little bit of that at times, uh, the runs up the middle just were not working. But again, like you said, Brian, they pivoted to McCoy's arm. He ended up with almost 300 yards, four touchdowns, really, really poised. It looked really, 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 really good. I thought this was his best game by far. Um, if Giovanni McCoy is the quarterback for the next four years, couldn't be happier with it if he's playing like this. Uh, again, five incompletions and a couple of them were just were throwaways. They were the correct call. Um, but the big thing for me was that the offense just moved so much better. 80% conversion rate on third down this game. The absolute best that it's been uh, in, in in at any point this season. Hopefully we'll continue to see that. Uh, but the whole offense itself just gelled. I know there was, there was realistically one punt, but you can't really complain about an offensive performance putting up 55 points. It doesn't matter who it is. Um, it was really fun to see even at the end of the game. They just went to the Wildcat and started snapping the ball directly to Roshan, and he was running 10, 12 yards of play. Uh, Idaho really, it was just positive plays all around, and then they'd cap him off with the 20, 25-yard chunk plays and just really kept Northern Colorado on their heels the whole whole night. So that's the good things. Producer, seducer, Heemstra. What didn't go well yesterday? Wait, got one more good thing I want to talk to real, talk about real quick before I shift there. Uh, we've had some injury issues in the wide receiver room. Trez Trainer played for like you know for ten seconds this game, first time we've seen him much. But a uh, receiver who kind of stepped up in a way who a, a lot of people have been, been kind of waiting for Hayden Hatton to have one of the bigger games. He hasn't played poorly. He just hasn't had some of the receiving totals that you'd expect relative to. You know, the dude's an all big sky level level talent. Well, Hayden Hatton, eight receptions, 131 yards, two touchdowns. Jermaine Jackson, also over 100 yards receiving. Uh, just don't want to overlook because like you already touched, touched on everything going well. But receiving room specifically has kind of been the most uh, injury laden 
of our individual skill position rooms. Uh, Jordan Dwyer was on on crutches on the sideline of the game, like I already said. Terrestre trainers there for like 10 seconds. Other dudes are stepping up, and it was good to see Hayden Hatton having the kind of game that if you watch the spring season, you probably expected we'd have a little bit more of this. Just figure it's probably going to take a few weeks for Idaho to really iron out who who's getting all the touches. Jermaine Jackson has been great the entire season, but Hayden Hat Hatton really uh, looking like a guy who UNC just had no prayer of covering. That's the dude who I, I think we're going to probably see a little bit more. Of that. And we're going to need to, if Idaho's going to win uh, some of the games we need to later into the season. Thank you for the filibuster, Brian. Producer, seducer, back to you. What didn't go well against Northern Colorado? First half defense, it like... I forget, like, one of you guys said in the beginning where it just felt like the old Petrino days, like, just you played great the last week and then just shit the bed the next week. It felt like it was trending in that direction. That was, for me, the biggest thing was just the the first half defense just not coming to play and not playing up to what Brian thought Allrich was going to be doing during the game. Sorry, Dallas and I are both sitting like, okay, who's who's going to piggyback on this? Because we're we're both in the exact same spot of defensively. Look, Northern Colorado is not an effective offensive team. After watching this game, my takeaway is that UNC fans should absolutely hate Max McCaffrey because this is not the least talented offensive team in the Big Sky. This is this Northern Colorado looked more talented to me, especially on the offensive side of the ball, than Northern Arizona, and in the first half. Uh, really what was killing Idaho was our blitz was not getting to McCaffrey quite quick enough. And some of those short passes that you, we, everyone knew UNC was going to throw, uh, that's where they started to break some of their plays. There was a single long pass in the, I think it was in the first quarter, where, uh, look, the UNC dude one-on-one, -on -one, he just beat uh, Idaho's corner. I don't remember who it was on that play. Uh, but McCaffrey showed he actually does have an arm that his brother doesn't let him use in terms of just throwing these short passes. But um, first half, especially the secondary, who's been great this entire this season, um, they, they just look Northern Colorado just handled our secondary. That's why this game was competitive heading into halftime. Now another asterisk for Dallas jumps in Idaho. Yo, I'm, I'll hold the penalty talk until later. The secondary for Idaho was just not as effective in the first half as it should have been. Things got better in the second half for sure. But honestly, I bet overall uh, Rob Orich is fine with the win. But this was clearly the worst defensive outing Idaho's had of the 2022 season. Yeah, Brian actually setting me up perfectly here. Uh, penalties were the big problem for Idaho. Uh, this was a rough outing for idaho um idaho is and we'll get to this in the at the end of the episode we're going to turn this into kind of a more recap of the last the last few weeks but idaho just it seems like they they're just not a clean crisp team at the moment and that's that's sort of the problem uh it's it's one thing to commit a bunch of penalties uh against northern colorado northern colorado is one of the bottom dwellers the back markers of this conference they're They've got to have everything go right in order for them to to be able to truly pull something off. This is a game where, for whatever reason, Idaho just could not stop committing stupid penalties at the worst possible time. Northern Colorado's first touchdown actually came off of a personal foul after the play. Idaho stops 
uh, they probably would have ended up kicking a field goal, but Idaho stops Northern Colorado uh, in the backfield. It's like third and 17. And then we get an unsportsmanlike conduct well after the play is over. All of a sudden, it's now first and goal for Northern Colorado. They they quickly punch it in and, and go ahead and score. Uh, later, uh, there's a huge bomb uh, of a play that gets Idaho down from realistically the other side of the field inside the 20 all the way down to the two of Northern Colorado. And it comes back from a penalty from uh, a, a lineman pulling on a face mask of a defensive lineman. Uh, just Idaho continue to shoot themselves in the foot over and over. You cannot do that against a team like Montana or Montana State. The, the cream of the crop in this conference, that is not going to work. Uh, so that's that's the thing you really got to clean up here. Uh, and again, we have nine years of being a uh, way, way more than nine years of being a poorly coached program. Uh, so this, these are the kind of things that are going to take time. This is going to be the, the probably the hardest thing to fix is getting the, the penalties and the, the sloppiness cleaned up. But if you're going to put out a, a stinker of a game and it does happen, every team is going to have a rough outing. If you look at Montana, they did not play as particularly well as they probably would have wanted this week against Idaho state. You, you want to put out your stinker against a bad team. So if you hope and your optimism and you're thinking, hey, this is the worst game Idaho is going to play from a sloppy, like cleanliness standpoint, you got to feel pretty good moving forward. If you look out on, on the other foot, this is not a great thing to have to deal with. You Not only do you have to be firing on all cylinders, you also have to overcome the fact that you keep shooting yourself in the foot. So uh, that that was what didn't go well for me. Uh, let's just move forward. Let's talk about positive things because, again, this is a game that Idaho won by 20, realistically had control of the entire second half. It was not a particularly close victory. Uh, Brian, you look like you have something to say. Did you have one last thing you wanted to pitch in? Yeah, I just wanted to, to go over the, the pass defense in the first half of, of when, when I say like it was a lull for Idaho – in the second quarter, Idaho gave up 139 yards through the air to Dylan McCaffrey. Now, part of that was big plays, but um, th that's part of – look, Dallas, you talk about the penalty part, but that's the that's the execution part of why this game was close and why at the end of the second half. I mean, I didn't have the anxiety of Idaho losing this game. I was just more watching this game saying, okay, look, Northern Colorado is not the worst in the conference, but Idaho should be winning this, this game by a couple scores heading into halftime. What the heck's going on? But you're look, you are right. Um, second half things certainly did, did look better. And offensively, there were no lulls. Like I said, Ricardo Chavez has one punt the the entire game. Uh, no, no punts in the second half. In the second half, that's where Vandals are used to from last decade, where Idaho might have a lead in the second half and then playing to not lose. Uh, that's where the you know the punt parade comes in. No, man, I, that wasn't the case. I honestly had Idaho not had some of those self-inflicted gunshot wounds in the first half, there's a world where this is a 72 to 21 game. And Absolutely. Defense, defensively too, uh, pass defense. We picked off Dylan McCaffrey twice uh, as well. Uh, in that second half, Mervyn Kenyon picked off one thing, I believe Paul Moala picked off the first. And that was part of what also turned the tide was, yeah, offensively we, uh, we, we killed. UNC could do nothing against Idaho offensively like their big moral victory is we had to kick a field goal once and when you talked about early a few of the runs up the middle just weren't working but hey play calling adjusted so really no hiccups offensively for Idaho and defensively though again not the effort we we would need against the Montana or against the Sacramento State in the second half 
the team adjusted, started forcing turnovers. And that's where we got that separation in the second half where it's a 20. Yeah, you were right. It's a 20 point game. But but once we got into the fourth quarter, it felt like a four score game. It really did. And honestly, if you clean up that that personal foul at the, the start of the game, this team probably doesn't score more than 10 14 points the momentum is huge in college football and unc looked like a completely different half in the second completely different team in the second half you take out that personal foul that essentially gave them a touchdown you might have changed the entire outlook of this game so it's it's just one of those things that you really want to see cleaned up but enough about the negative stuff we've talked about a bunch of players that had really great games on offense who is our player of the game we're all probably going to have different opinions here so Let's kick it. Let's kick it over. Player of the game on offense. I, I, I almost want to give it to the offensive line just for having 260 yards of 260 yards rushing. Like they had a couple players play the entire game. I know Tagana CCC say had a big block just driving their player. Like it just drive on the last to second score before halftime, just driving his guy 10 yards downfield and finishing the block. Just, I, I just want to give it to the offensive line just for how they played, like opening up holes the second half and just making their run game unstoppable. It seemed like. So for me, I, I got to go with Giovanni McCoy. Like there's a lot of candidates here, but. McCoy, look, first week of Big Sky play goes 18 to 20, follows that up going 22 to 27. Already talked about throwing for four, throwing for four touchdowns. McCoy also, he rushed for 18 yards, extended a few plays with his legs that are not going to show up in the box score because it turned up, you know, he, he extended the play and had a completed pass. So McCoy, damn near playing flawless at this point in Big Sky play. No picks, uh, completion percentage in between these two big sky games, like right around 80 ish percent. And I, I was watching a little bit of the game from, uh, I got, I face planted into the president's box for the nice view and the free food. But, uh, from it was during the third quarter that I was up there. And that to me was where you could just see Giovanni shining as in he he's just, he's getting it where he needs to. And he's getting it on time. Um, red shirt freshman who's essentially making no mistakes right now. Uh, that and that, that led us to that win to the third consecutive win. When the hell have we talked about Idaho having three consecutive D1 wins? And McCoy, it's hard to be more impressed, really, with uh, the way the redshirt freshman's doing. Um, I, I mean, I, I the guy I talked to in the president's box as well. This is a discussion that I I think Vandals are going to have. We you know, we saw Jack Lane against the Drake game in that Drake game. How in God's name do you do any sort of pulling of McCoy now? He's playing if he's going to play this well. There's no, there's no way to to take the guy out for any experimentation. It's working too well. What, even if you're theoretically having some sort of glacial competition, how is he supposed to do better than he is now? And how is someone coming in supposed to do better? So man, yeah, Giovanni McCoy, uh, making making the right reads, getting the ball where he needs to, making no mistakes. And as always, he has a play or two where he takes a hit that's a little bit rougher than you wish. And he just gets right back up, which that, you know, that's we, we'd always heard that Giovanni McCoy, one of the intangibles he had is the leadership uh, qualities that are a little bit different. And man, you want to personify what this team is probably trying to be right now. I don't know how you do it better than your quarterback always taking at least one kind of rough hit and he bounces up like it doesn't matter. It, it, yeah, I to go back on both of your points, Martin, I could not disagree with that statement. The offensive line, no sacks 
absolutely just bullied UNC all over the field. Brian, you are very correct. Giovanni McCoy, probably the most outstanding individual performance. I mean, that was almost perfect quarterback play. Uh, and the the Lane discussion, I think, is a discussion for another, another time. We've heard that they like Lane because they think he's got the highest ceiling and that he he runs the offense and knows the offense best of anybody. But there's really not a whole lot to improve on from what McCoy is doing. So in the interest of giving everybody a... a a different player of the game perspective. I've got to go with Elijah Cummings. I think Cummings had probably the the most impact on this game from an offensive standpoint. He did end up with three touchdowns. He had seven carries for 83 yards, lost five. So net was 78, two touchdowns on the ground there, and then two catches for 15 yards and a touchdown. But it was the timing of his touchdowns that really mattered the most to me. Uh, it, both the times that Idaho fell behind Northern Colorado, Cummings was the guy who was in there making the plays, breaking the big runs, and scoring the touchdowns. So when Idaho's down 13-10, to 10, Cummings breaks off a 27-yard run to, to cap off a 75-yard drive. They take the lead. Then when Elijah Dotson grabs the lead back for Northern Colorado and Idaho scores in 46 seconds, Cummings again with a 25-yard run to break off what was a 75-yard drive. Cummings, I thought, looked electric. He looks exactly like he did last year where we thought he's like the smallest dude on the field, but he's also the hardest one to bring down. He looks a lot like that. He looks almost like a smaller version of Anthony Woods. Woods has a little bit more bulk to him, shifts around a little bit. Cummings is just that extra change of pace back that has looked looked honestly fantastic. And again, that's another conversation we could have. It feels like every single person on this team could could run effectively behind this offense, which is, is fantastic to see. But in the, in the interest of just keeping things going, Player the game on the defense. I'm guessing we're probably going to all have pretty similar thoughts here, but let's let's talk about the best player of the game on defense. I I don't know. I I don't know. I don't know if I can fix someone. I not gonna lie. I didn't think about defense too much. I'm gonna go with Paul Mawala. Uh, six total tackles, two solos, but he also picked off a pass. And to me, Moala's pick was kind of the backbreaking pick of uh, UNC was still still not going away in the third quarter. After Paul Moala picks off Dylan McCaffrey, to me, that was when Idaho got the separation we needed. Because th there was a run in the third quarter where Dallas, I felt, you know, Idaho's up. Idaho keeps staying up by about 10, but it felt like Idaho absolutely had to keep scoring because defensively we just weren't stopping Northern Colorado until the Moala pick. That to me is where the tide turned. In addition to the pick, uh, Moala also had a pass breakup. So that's, this is the kind of, this is the kind of game that we expect we're going to see when we hear a dude comes to Idaho with pedigree from Notre Dame and Moala has been good all season, but to me, he was the dude who stood out in terms of not just overall stats. We already talked about that, but Big, impactful plays that meant something in turning the tide. Moala's my guy. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so just for a quick build up to the interception, because I, I do think that interception was the absolute moment of the game. Idaho, again, coming in with a, a lead at halftime. Northern Colorado gets the ball, immediately goes three and out. Idaho goes down and scores. Northern Colorado gets the ball back and put together an incredible drive. They took off almost five minutes of the clock, drove down, scored a touchdown, Idaho answers back. It's 38-28. Uh, David, the guy who sits behind me, uh, we're sitting there joking with each other about the reverse podcast jinx because 
We all talked so heavily about how Idaho was going to demolish Northern Colorado. And it was, it just felt like oh, this team is like, they're moving pretty well. Even on the, the drive that Moala had the pick, they handed it off to Elijah Dotson, pulls off five yards immediately. They get down to a third and four. Moala makes that pick. And from that point on, I it just, it felt like the team changed. Felt like that was finally the moment Idaho realized, oh, we are a lot better than these guys. And if we just clean up a little bit, we're just going to punch them right in the face over and over and over. So for me, Paul Mawala, no question player of the game, because that was that was the pivot point to me. That interception from what was a 10-point game that then became a 27-point game midway through the fourth quarter when everything was said and done. Absolutely Paul Mawala for the guy. So any last thoughts on Northern Colorado, guys? We've covered a lot of stuff so far. We are approaching about that 30-minute mark. Anything from Northern Colorado you guys wanted to get off your chest that we didn't talk about? Oh, well, one of the things I want to talk about is this is going to launch into big sky stuff in a minute, but it was, it was really, it was relieving for me uh, to be at a game where one, we've got great positive energy from fans there for sure. People were stoked, especially if you sat on the student side, whether you were in the student section or or not, fans were loud. Uh, The other is we've been, we've all watched so many Idaho games where we, we were a quarter in. And we feel, look, Idaho, talent-wise, this should be a win. A couple things aren't going well, but look, this is a new year. So instead of a couple things not going well, cascading into a vicious cycle, the coaches and the team responded. So for me, even though there were moments where it was closer than it should have been, we still beat the shit out of Northern Colorado, big picture, especially second half. And the other is, look, fans have to be along for this ride. We're not going to go undefeated. We've already lost a couple, but we're not. We're probably not going to go undefeated in the big sky. And we're probably going to have some games that are a little rocky where execution isn't where we hope it is because, you know, you know, big picture, these dudes are all between like 19 and 22. People don't always do exactly what they're supposed to do. By the way, the other, other team is a bunch of D1 athletes too. But Idaho responded after a, a rocky start, especially defensively, and then stabilized. I, I mean, I... I, I don't know how to describe how good good it felt to be at this game. And to for me, I had complete trust the whole time that even though it's not working out, like this is a kink that's going to be resolved because Idaho's better, both players and coaching staff. Coaching staff, for sure, were miles ahead of Northern Colorado. And for that to be the experience of this Vandal team was, God, it's just so damn nice to know that you know I, I can have trust in the coaching staff and players in a way that we just haven't forever. And just kick back and enjoy. Yeah, I honestly, the if anybody is listening to this and didn't make it to homecoming, it is going to be almost impossible to put it into words of what this weekend felt like. Uh, I unfortunately did not make it down for for really any of the festivities. Uh, Just the the travel schedule for me just didn't didn't put it into the cards. Um, So I just I got down to the the dome about five o'clock and parked and just and went right into the game but you could feel a buzz in 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 the environment i, I know it was only ten thousand, and it was just short of eleven thousand. but uh this this it feels different the guys the the fan base is coming back i think the fan base is all feeling the kind of the same things we are idaho is not the punching bag that they have been for most of the last 25 years this is a team that feels like it's designed to succeed and it's going to succeed. I mean, we're, we're talking here about, we've talked about Elisha Cummings. We've talked about 
uh, Giovanni McCoy. We've talked very heavily in the past about Anthony Woods. These guys are all really young. Like we have, we have a very young core to this team that is putting together what looks to be a winning season in the Big Sky, which is again not something we're too accustomed to over the last twenty five years. So. Again, hoping that all of that works out. And, and again, keep in mind, there will be losses. Like, this is not a team that's going to run the table in the big sky. There's not many teams that do run the table in the big sky. And But being realistic, Idaho's just not there yet. But this is absolutely the building block to this team becoming the bully in the big sky that is hopefully, and listeners, you have a big part of this, hopefully selling out that dome every goddamn weekend and then just rolling teams over the, the way that Montana and Montana State do, where you show up in that environment and you know, well, we're going to lose. Hopefully we get out of here healthy. That's that's the kind of environment that it feels like we are we are building to here. And it's, guys, it's a good time to be a Vandal fan. It's a really, really, really good time to be a Vandal fan. Don't think about the basketball team. I guess the, the, what I was trying to get at, and I promise Martin, not trying to filibuster you, buddy, is – for, for things to turn around at a place like Idaho, a couple things need to go right. And it's not just making the right hire, which we, we clearly, Idaho did make the right hire. And it's not just getting the right recruits, which a lot of looks big picture, like Idaho's getting a lot of the recruits we need based off production. But within games, there's opportunities. And within the, the structure of a season, there's opportunities that if teams are going to turn around, if teams are going to build momentum, you win or you don't. Idaho just went through what to me was the most important stretch of the season of where are we going to, can we build momentum? And we just beat the shit out of three teams in a row, even in a game like we're, we taught, we've belabored this point guys in a game where Idaho looked a little sketchy defensively in the first half. We still, we still put on a show in the second half. So the fans who made it first off the 10,700, not an awful number at all. We beat the hell out of last year's homecoming. So that's the big win. We'll get more. But for Idaho to also win, not just to roll to make to the playoffs, that's a brain dead. You got to win the games to do that. But for Idaho to get more, to win back more fan support, which that's going to be the process, is winning it back after a lost. I know Scott Green calls it a lost decade. It was a lost 25 years. But uh, for Idaho to win support back, when we have opportunities like this, when people do show up, Idaho's got to put on a show, and they did. So look, this team, when they have the opportunities to do what they need to, they're doing it. When they had the national stage with Washington State, the shittiest opening game you could imagine as a Big Sky head coach, Idaho put on a show. When we followed up that with Indiana on the road, again, national type of stage, you know, Big Ten resources versus the Big Sky, Idaho absolutely hung with Indiana. So every single chance this team has had, to show the fan base, this is real. This is not a one-game bullshit like when Portland State looks okay for one week and then sucks the rest of the season. Idaho's not doing that. So the fact that this team is taking the chances they have and running with them is another reason why, look, it's going to keep the people who are behind the team right now there. That's But that has to be something that gets more alums there because the, the big thing, too, for fan, fan support, it's alums. Student section's kicking ass, guys. That student section is packed. It's loud. They've got noisemakers. They've got cutout heads. They're making jokes about Scott Green being Daddy Green when he gives out the thousand dollar scholarship. They're, They're making chanting fun of for Jacob Sermon. Exactly. They're apparently listening to the show and making fun of Ed McCaffrey. So look, the student section is doing everything they can. The alums who are showing up, great. We just got to keep doing what we can to win them back. But the team, the point of this fucking show. The team's doing everything right that they can. All right, guys. That was Around the Bar, brought to you by Hughes River Expedition.
If you're looking for a great all-inclusive week-long vacation, do not look past your backyard. Venture into the largest protected wilderness in the continental U.S. located right here in the great state of Idaho. Enjoy a multi-day trip down the Middle Fork of the Salmon, the main Salmon River of No Return, the Salmon River Canyons, or the Selway. You can even check out special trips like one to see the Persed Meteor Shower. Camp on pristine beaches. Run amazing whitewater. Hike scenic trails. Spot wildlife. Soak in beautiful natural hot springs. Take in the history along the river and fish some of the most remote stretches of river in the entire country. Just bring your clothes. Let HRE handle the rest. Hughes River Expeditions has been vandal owned and operated since 1976, and they're ready to take you on the vacation of a lifetime. What are you waiting for? Find out what it's like to grab a paddle, catch dinner, and ride the bull all throughout the beautiful gem state. Call them now at 800-262-1882. Again, that's 800-262-1882. Or check them out at HughesRiver.com. So guys, five weeks into the season, obviously I think we're all feeling pretty damn good. Idaho 3-2 and two, and those two losses are to power five teams that Idaho looked pretty respectable against. But Brian, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you kind of take this where you want to go. Let's let's talk about how Idaho has been in the first five weeks. Again, three and two, two and zero oh in conference play for the first time in a very, very, very long time. How should we be feeling about this team? I think we should be calling this a top half team in the Big Sky. Uh, right now, we have Idaho has not asserted itself beyond like that middle grouping in the Big Sky that is below right now. Montana, Sac State, probably Weber State, and maybe Montana State as well. But of the rest, Idaho's making their case to be easily the number five or at worst number six team in the conference right now uh, b- because of, look, we, we talked, this last game was minus the defensive effort in the first half, a microcosm of the season of offensively Idaho, especially against FCS teams. Look, I get, maybe that's the first barometer. One of our questions first couple weeks of the season is, hey, offensively it was a little bit rough against the against WSU and Indiana. Was that because they were power five teams or was that because that's just where Idaho is? Well, right now, after that th- run of three games against, uh, admittedly, the low, the, the easier slate of our conference, uh, offensively, Idaho looked just fine, which gives me reason to believe that look, we're, we're probably not the best offense in the big sky, but we're offensively, Idaho is going to be doing enough to be competitive in essentially every single game that we have the rest of the season uh, defensively this week to me, it was our first hiccup, but I'm confident right now with the output, we're getting both sides of the ball, especially as Giovanni McCoy continues to show competence in the pocket, which is going to allow Luke Schleisner to open up the playbook a little bit more, or maybe call it a little bit less conservatively than we saw in a little bit of the first two weeks. That to me is probably the linchpin for Idaho offensively taking the next step. But yeah, my takeaway right now, Dallas, is this is the top half of the conference team. It is not unreasonable right now for us to keep talking about what has to happen for the playoffs because this looks like a team that isn't going to get, they're not going to get a first round buy in the playoffs, but the playoffs are not yet off the table. No, they're they're definitely not. And I think it speaks to to the level of coaching this team is receiving. Um, I, I specifically want to talk about the defense here because we have not made fun of the defense uh, in previous years, but we have pointed out that the defense was the weakest part of a, a, an admittedly weak Idaho team and program. Uh, defensively this year, guys, even with a, a, a rougher outing against Northern Colorado, 
Idaho's defense might be might be for real. If you go look at the Big Sky rankings, um, look using the stats across the whole the whole season. So again, keep in mind that some of this is inflated by the fact that Idaho has two Power Five teams they scheduled, and not every team in the Big Sky has done that. So this will at the end of the year will probably even out a little bit. But hey, pause real quick. The inflation yes. you mean is because of playing two Power Five teams the rankings for Idaho are not going to be favorable relative to other teams, but there's, you're about to get what they are. Yes, exactly. So again, keep that in mind when we're talking at the end of the year and everybody's played the same conference schedule, we can use the conference stats and, and kind of get a little bit better feel for, for truly where the team stands. But keep that in mind, Idaho played two different power five schools that are very pass heavy, very offensive heavy. Idaho's defense right now, fifth in the big sky in touchdowns allowed, Tied for first in field goals allowed, which is a great, you know, really talking about bending and not breaking. Fourth in points allowed, fourth in points per game, allowing only 23.6 points a game. They're third in total yards, third in yards per game, allowing 316 yards a game. They're fourth in sacks with 12. Unfortunately, the, the third down conversion, and we've talked about this on the show many times, third down conversion is a bit of a problem on both sides of the ball. Defensively, they're 10th out of 12 teams in the big sky with allowing 46% of third downs to be converted so not not great numbers there but you talk about the passing defense this is again this is a secondary that yes Mervyn Canyon's a new face the Bertrams are, are new faces and I, I know that only one of them is in the secondary but the this is a team of guys that are are mostly the same that we had the previous few years when Idaho was registering in the bottom of the big sky and absolutely worst in the FCS in pass defense right now Idaho's second in the big sky with six interceptions they're second in completion percentage, allowing just 54% of passes to be completed. They're fifth in yards. They've allowed under 100, or uh, excuse me, under 1,000 passing yards this season. They're third in uh, average completion, allowing only 6.4 yards of completion. Touchdowns, not quite as great. They've allowed nine touchdowns, uh, which is only tight for eighth, but uh, touchdowns are, uh, they're going to vary. It depends on if you're on the one yard line, you're going to obviously be mostly punching that in unless you're, you know, Pete Carroll. Uh, Sorry, shots fired for people that haven't gotten over that. Uh, passing yards per game, Idaho is fourth. The Idaho's defense is fourth in the Big Sky right now. That's a, with two different teams in the Power Five that throw the ball all over the field. Idaho is allowing under 200 yards passing per game right now, and that's including Dylan McCaffrey having the game of his life this weekend. Uh, Idaho even just even if that regulates down to a you know, sixth or seventh in the big sky, that is a massive upgrade from where we, where we have been in the last few seasons, realistically with most of the same new faces or with most of the same faces, the only real new faces, the defensive coaching staff. So really, really impressed by Idaho's defense. And that to me is what stands out as Idaho really does have a shot at the playoffs here, guys, the defense, uh, uh, even if they regress, they went from the worst defense in this conference to, at least middle tier right now, they might be one of the top third defenses. And that's, that to me is, is the biggest storyline of Idaho's first five weeks is the defense has come to play. Rob Orge's guys are here. And yes. Struggled a little bit on homecoming weekend, but if that gets cleaned up, this is a defense that can absolutely carry this team to the playoffs. Yeah. Idaho's already forced. They talked about in the broadcast last week that Idaho equaled their turn, their forced turnover total, on the season, just playing NAU. Well, Idaho picked off two more passes. So this Vandal team already has uh, significantly more 
because a 25% increase would be a significant increase. We already have significantly more turnovers forced this year than all of last season. Idaho's already picked off more passes in big sky play than we did all of last season. Hell, Idaho picked off as many passes yesterday against Northern Colorado too. That was how many passes Idaho picked off in the entire big sky season last year Two again. So, you know, Dallas hundred percent, right. A couple of names. I just want to want to highlight, you know, to buttress your point that you're talking about. Some of these are dudes from last year. Marcus Harris is a name from last year. Dude has six pass breakups already this season. Uh, Favai Favai, look, he's in a different role this year uh, with Trey Walker gone. But, you know, uh, Favai Favai, 48 tackles on the season, two breaks up, two breakups, a forced fumble. Uh, Tommy McCormick, another corner who he's got two picks this season, plus a fumble recovery. He is one who picked up that fumble recovery against WSU. But no, we're, we've got a lot of dudes making case for all big sky in a way that Idaho has not had for for a real long time we talked about this at the when jason eck was hired we talked about this in the preview if idaho's pass defense can just go from being catastrophically terrible to okay ish that's a huge huge developmental leap well they've beat the shit out of that metric of can they become okay ish because right now as a pass defense we got to see if that hiccup hiccup against northern colorado in the first half is gonna matter later but over the five game sample size idaho has right now this has looked, it, it's not the best pass defense in the big sky, but it's pretty damn good. It's easily top half of the league. Yeah, and that's, I mean, that's that's the big thing. You mentioned that there's a, a handful of guys that are, we're talking about legitimately all big sky talents uh, at the end of the season. And yes, there's been Trey Walker. There's been the Ellis's. Like, there have, there's historically been a linebacker that is all big sky talent. And, and Favai Favai, absolutely no exception. He's second in the league in tackles. He's probably going to end up, he might not end up first team, but he'll probably end up second team. He's going to get an all-conference nod at the end of the season if he stays healthy. But then you guys have, you have guys like Kamari Bailey. He's fourth in sacks in the league right now. Mervin Kenyon and obviously Marcus Harris, we just talked about him, but Mervin Kenyon is tied for fourth in passes defensed in the big sky. Matthias Bertram has two forced fumbles, which is more than just about anybody else in the conference. Like, Idaho's defense are putting up numbers. They're putting up putting up moments in in big time plays, and it's it's really refreshing to see that. Uh, but that's not to short the offense, guys. The offense has looked incredible as well. Especially the the big thing for me, Idaho leads the conference in time of possession with thirty seven minutes a game. Like that's that is absolutely the offense that Eck has wanted to run. Ball control, run it down their throat. Pass when it really matters, and you know they're, they've probably thrown a little bit more than they may have wanted. But McCoy's done a very good job of it, and that's that's the big thing. We because we could honestly be talking about Giovanni McCoy, like player of the year, maybe not this year, but if he keeps this kind of thing up, he could be the Big Sky Player of the Year again. Maybe not this year, but in the future. Right now, he's first in completion percentage. He's completing seventy two point eight percent of his passes. He's third in yards. He's second in touchdowns. He's first in efficiency. He's fourth in completions per attempt. He's got over a thousand yards on the season so far. Ten touchdowns, just two picks. The guy is playing out of his mind, leading the offense absolutely perfectly at this point. And I mean, we talked about the the players on the defense that are all big sky worthy. There's probably more on the offense that are going to be considered for for awards at the end of the season, and it's it's a lot different than what we've seen the last handful of years, Brian. It absolutely is. Uh, for one thing, I want to talk about offensively is. The like you talked about the pat pass to rush ratio, 
Uh, in two Big Sky games, Idaho's thrown 46 passes. Uh, that compares to 90. Sorry, uh, 87 uh, rush plays. So, uh, you know, it's clear this is a run-heavy team. Uh, it's it's obviously working. In the stats you, that you uh, research for the show, Dallas, it is kind of interesting to see in terms of yards per rush. And, it, you know, you, you already talked about some of this is slightly, uh, let's say, deflated because of the first two, first two games of the season for Idaho. Um, Idaho averaging 3.9 yards per rush, uh, which is not – Fantastic, but I would say a lot of the times it does feel like kind of a steady number as it, we've had some big plays, uh, but there are times where Idaho's certainly marching down the field where the rushes are, you know, five, coming at like five and eight yard chunks. But efficiency wise, Idaho's passing the ball pretty damn well, averaging 9.1 yards per pass attempt, uh, first and pass efficiency, like you said. So uh, I guess the big takeaway for me is offensively, if you know, if early on that pass to rush ratio, look, maybe that's the ideal that Eck wants because he has not made it a secret in his press conferences that he thinks Idaho needs to run the ball. He thinks controlling the line is how we win. And time of possession would certainly indicate that the play calling, uh, the play calling disparity would certainly, certainly indicate that that as well. Uh, but I think Idaho, look, Idaho looks like they're increasingly comfortable letting Giovanni McCoy just play. And I think that's one of the developments we're we're going to be looking at as to if Idaho is able to win, you know, some of those games we need to. We've talked about before. Idaho needs to get to seven wins. If if we beat the shitty teams on the schedule, that means out of Montana, Sac State, Eastern, UC Davis, Idaho has to go two and two in that run, provided we also handle our business against Portland State and Idaho State. Uh, being able to pass the ball is going to absolutely matter, especially against defenses like Sacramento State and Montana, because if we can't do it, those teams are going to eat us alive. But McCoy is making the developmental steps you would need to, to know why his number would be called more often. And look, we even saw it in this game, where especially in the second half, uh, Idaho opened, Idaho had a run where they started pass a little bit more, and he McCoy certainly made Northern Colorado pay for it. Yeah, just to... Give a quick recap of the schedule for anybody that is curious, as Brian's again talking about the seven-win metric here. Idaho, obviously, three and two. The remainder of the season is at Montana, home against Portland State, at Sac State, home against Eastern, home against UC Davis, on the road at Idaho State. Again, if Idaho can pick off Portland State and Idaho State, pretty obviously being inferior opponents to the Vandals, then you're looking at two and two against Montana, Sac State, Eastern, UC Davis. Luckily... Eastern and UC Davis are home games. If Idaho wins every home game from here on out, they go into the final week of the season against Idaho State, and if they beat Idaho State down in Polka Hellhole, this is a playoff team. This is absolutely on the cards, guys. I know that you know. We, I spent a lot of time in the preview show trying to like douse a little water on the fire and say, "Hey, this is this is still probably a team that wins five games and probably doesn't make the playoffs." But we see we see stretches that that mean this team is is poised to succeed. Well, year one of this rebuild might be a playoff team. If again, if the dome gets packed out like it was against homecoming uh, against Northern Colorado this weekend for homecoming, words are hard. You show up for Portland State. You show up for Eastern. You show up for UC Davis. If we can force them into a couple false starts, again, maybe not all three teams are inferior or equal to Idaho. UC Davis is still. Nobody really knows. They've they've been a playoff team. They've been mediocre. Dan Hawkins uh, has history with Idaho. 
that circle that one circle Eastern. If you win both of those games, this is probably a team that goes to the playoffs this year. And that, that is behind, honestly behind Giovanni McCoy, Brian, you mentioned, it looks like they're just kind of letting McCoy play out there. Whatever they're doing is working. The biggest thing for me, and there are some other negative metrics we will get to about the overall team, but Idaho's offense in the red zone, 18 of 19 times they have scored 94.7% far and away the, the most efficient offense in the big sky. Like this is, this is a team that is not just going to roll over against the Montana's the Sac States and, and be down 30 points. Like, like we've seen in the past, even last year, Idaho takes a huge lead against Portland state and then just decides not to come out for the second half. That's not going to happen this year. I, I don't see that being something that happens. That game happened just this weekend, and as poor as the defense was in the first half of the game, the offense kept up, kept Idaho in it, and then second half, the talent took over. That's Realistically, that's what we're going to keep seeing. The, the metrics here are good, guys. Idaho has looked very good in the first five weeks of the season. There's, there's, there's definitely the negative metrics, and we'll get into that in a second, but there's not a whole lot here to scream this is a fa a false three and two. This is a team that has beat up cupcakes and is going to get run over. the The underlying metrics don't quite say that about this team. Well, we we beat the shit out of the teams. So, like, if if the question is like, is what what a team like Idaho can do against the bottom of the schedule is other than the obvious part of getting the win is to show that separation exists. Well, there's clearly separation between Idaho and NAU. That that was a 17 point game that felt like a 42 point game. There's clearly separation between idaho and northern colorado if you look if you look at those two two touchdowns were impacted by penalties one touchdown idaho gave away to northern colorado after the personal foul and idaho look idaho's at the one yard line they were going to score idaho lost a touchdown on the the face masking penalty if you put if those two plays don't happen this game's over at halftime and the score is probably closer to like 63 to 21 or 63 to 28. And there's just no drama whatsoever. And the reason I bring that up, Dallas, is even with this game where there's the defensive effort was something that everyone was noticing. And again, it's, it's stuff that the coaching staff is obviously going to be addressing. My reaction watching this, it was actually more confusion. Whereas like last season, previous seasons, if a team's shredding us defensively, well, of course they are. That This is who Idaho is. This season, it was confusion, as in wondering, like, look, I know we're going to get together. Northern Colorado's not that they're, – they're not better than us. The, the talent isn't – there's not a gap in that direction talent-wise. So when's the defense going to get together? And they did. The Moala touchdown, as we talked about, that's kind of the, the – sorry, the Moala pick is kind of the moment that things coalesce in a different way. But just as a fan experiencing the game, that's a different place to be where you're watching an underwhelming performance – and what you're saying is, look, they're going to get it together. I actually, it's, I'm confused about why it's not together yet. That's not what it's been the last few years. Yeah, I, I couldn't, I couldn't push back on that. I couldn't agree anymore. It feels like a different team and maybe for a, a more casual fan, or if you're just, you're checking into tubs for the first time, our viewership numbers are going up. So I know there's people that are checking into us the, the first time, or maybe the second or third time, and maybe haven't followed Vandal football a whole lot in the, last handful of decades because of how bad they've been uh this this feels like a different team before it was there was, just didn't feel like there was a lot of heart and it, it it came from the coaching staff and having a personality of a wet bag and the emotion of anger is the only thing i feel 
it felt like, you know, obviously we saw it last year when he lost the team and they were losing games by 50, but throughout the last decade, it felt like if Idaho didn't do everything perfectly, they were going to find a way to lose. This was absolutely not the case for throughout. You know, I had a little bit of panic in the, the first half where UNC again, took two different leads in the second quarter, but you could see it on the field. The coaching staff was better than UNC's. There's considerably more talent on the team. This is this is a team that even if they get down, it feels like they are still going to be in it no matter what. And that's so much different than what we've seen out of Idaho the last, again, most of the last 25 years. It would be, oh, 10-point game. This one's over. Might as well pack it up, head back out to the, the parking lot and drink more. That is not this team. We are going to see that. There are there are going to be games. It might even be against Montana. There might be a game here coming up when Idaho gets into the meat of the schedule where they are going to be down, and they're going to be down a fair amount. Everything we've seen is that this is a team that's going to punch right back, fire right back, and never quit, never give up, and keep pushing. And that's, that's a lot different than what we've seen out of the last few years. And Guys, I, I can't I can't stress this enough. If you are looking for a time to jump back into Idaho football, now is the time. Get excited, get pumped. This is this is a different team. This is a different program. Things are starting to turn around here. So Dallas, you had talked about earlier. Hey, there's a couple concerning things still. What we're not don't want to gloss over because I think look, if we were to talk about grades. This isn't the halfway point, but it's it's Idaho's week off, which is why we're doing kind of the season the season so far recap. We're a little more than a third of the way through Idaho's I season. Mean, realistically, it is the, the halfway point, Brian. There's five games we've talked about. There's six games in front of us. So realistically, this is as close to the halfway point as we can get. Okay, let's pretend this is midterms then. I'm pretty sure that we if you've listened, you're there's probably a handful of things you can tell that we'd grade Idaho an A on, like hey McCoy, brain dead, that's an A. Uh, the you know some of the freshman talent in the running back room that's an a as well as roshan's been looking pretty dang good wide receiver room handling injuries you know if that's not an a it's a b of the dudes look, still look fine in spite of losing some guys overall radical improvement defensively uh, in particular the secondary so look we if we were grading idaho the gpa is going to be pretty high as an understanding here Dallas, what are the areas that you, you would, you're looking at right now of, hey, these are the things that when we play Montana, we play Sac State, and even Davis and Eastern, these are probably the things that are giving me anxieties. It's the same things we've been talking about in every recap this, this season, guys. It's the penalties and the third and fourth down offense. Uh, I mean, fourth down offense is, is much better than the third down offense, but those are the underlying issues of this team that, you can see the cracks in the foundation. You can see where there are going to be times where Idaho's going to lose games and it's going to come down to this. Idaho penalty-wise, dead last in the Big Sky Conference with 37 total penalties. They're second to last in yards from penalties, having given up 303 yards in penalties. They are 10th in yards per game in penalties, giving up 60.6 yards per, per game just due to those penalties. And then, again, when you you know this isn't just like, oh, false start here, false start there. This doesn't pass this, the sniff test. It's penalty that gives Northern Colorado a touchdown. Penalty that takes a touchdown away from Idaho, or a, should be touchdown away from Idaho. Those are big problems. Idaho also, there's a little bit of gamesmanship that has to happen where you're you're getting the other team to commit penalties. Northern Colorado committed quite a few against Idaho, but Idaho is still 10th in the big sky. Again, there's 12 teams in the big sky. 
10th in penalties against their opponent. Only 16 penalties have been called against Idaho's opponents. So Idaho, 21 more penalties than their opponents. Not, not a recipe for success. Idaho also last in yards per game off of penalties, only getting 23 yards per game out of out of penalties on the offense or, or, or defense or whatever the other team is doing. Idaho's only getting 23 yards a game out of that. And then you come to the conversions. Conversions are still a little bit terrifying, both offensive and defensive. We mentioned the defense. Tenth in for in third down conversion, allowing forty six percent of the time they get the, the third down conversion. On the offense, they are only converting thirty five percent of their third downs. That's eighth out of twelve teams. And then the fourth down conversion is are a lot better. We're sixty one percent, but that's still only seventh in the Big Sky. So middle ground for fourth down, not so middle down middle ground for third down. Those are the issues to me, Brian, that are speaking giant flashing lights against a better team like Montana against a better team like Eastern and UC Davis are kind of middle teams, but the Montana Sacramento state, you can't have that Eastern UC Davis. If you do that, you have to be perfect in every other facet of the game to get the win. Yeah, with the third downs, I'm, I'm mostly with you. I'd, I'd probably say I'm at 80% of what you're at because the fact that Eck is fine extending into fourth down he, he's made that clear that two down territory for idaho is much more expansive than it is for a lot of other teams and the fact that he we convert on fourth down pretty well lets me feel a little bit better about that third down number because look if we if we convert on fourth down instead of third down i don't care we kept the ball but the bigger deal is of course avoiding having to get into that fourth down position because it is uh, you know it is a little bit bigger risk and we we are about to run into the meat of our schedule where as a fan you would just prefer to not have to convert on fourth down that much against sacramento state because sacramento state's pretty good about not letting teams get there ditto montana um, penalties i guess to me is probably the big one because the penalties have ever penalties always suck no matter what but idaho idaho's wiped a few scores off the board not just in this game the penalties have been timely they've been drive killers or huge drive extenders how nau wouldn't have their second score were it not for a personal foul that's another penalty you can directly point to leading the points to the other team happening against northern colorado um, i don't know what else to say other than Obviously, coaching staff's gonna going to be working on this. You know, there's gonna be some sort of level of personal fouls with how chippy Idaho's become. And I'm okay with that because this, this defense, the defense itself has much more toughness. Uh, they're much more, they look dispositionally much like they're much closer to University of Montana than we've been in the past. And if you're disp dispositionally, that's probably who you want your team to be oriented like. I mean, I don't know if you remember this in the playoff game last year, Montana beats Eastern when Eastern looked like they were willing to go into the to Montana locker room over God knows what uh, in post-game interview, Bobby Houck said, yeah, the Eastern players looked like they're going to come into our locker room. And you know what? We would have been okay with that. Uh, you got to have a feeling that Orich might not say stuff that way, but that's the attitude that him and, Fra and Stanley Franks and Tyler Yelk are kind of developing in this team, that toughness, and that will lead to some penalties, but the number now is too high. And the, the timeliness of them has just been absolutely terrible. Because if, if Idaho is a playoff team, Dallas, at this point, you would expect it's a final eight playoff team that makes it in, meaning you're playing in the first round. There's not that much margin for error. And against those four four games, we got to go two and two. You just can't give Eastern seven points there because they're going to score anyway. You just Or Montana. Look, if you're going to beat Montana, it's probably a lower scoring game. You just can't throw away seven of your own points or give the Grizzlies seven points and expect that you're going to be able to hold on. 
And the, you know, there are the occasional like terrible penalties. There was a, an awful defensive pass interference called against Idaho that there was no contact. The DB's playing the ball the whole time. The receiver just trips and falls over like completely incidental contact. If there was even any contact to begin with, like there are, yes, there are absolutely penalties that just shouldn't have been called against Idaho. And you deal with that. Every team gets a couple of those a season, but that th- it is a problem. You cannot be giving away touchdowns or taking touchdowns away from yourself when you're playing against a team that is considerably be- considerably better than you are. Um, and the one thing I do, I, I, I want to point out, um, and this is a, I have no comfortable segue into this. Uh, this is just going to be randomly dropped in because that's kind of how we treat special teams. Anyways, Ricardo Chavez has been a revolution at the kicking game. This has been a, a team known for having quality kicking and punting for honestly decades now, probably because they got a shitload of experience at it, not being able to score touchdowns and not being able to move the ball. But Ricardo Chavez is the only kicker in the big sky that hasn't missed a kick this year. So, Knock on wood. I do have a wood desk here, so I'm I'm knocking real good on that. If you're listening to this, please start knocking on whatever you got. But Ricardo Chavez, that that is going to be a game changer. Having a kicker you can trust to go out there and kick that field goal to win or hopefully win a game that's very close, like a, a Montana game might be close. A Eastern game might be close. Realistically, every game left on the schedule except Idaho State is probably going to be fairly close. Hopefully they go out and just destroy Portland State, but you have to go into the rest of these games thinking, okay, this is not the low of the low, other than again, Idaho State. This is a this is a thing that, that we're gonna probably have to rely on. We're gonna have to rely on Chavez kicking a couple field goals when it really matters in, like Brian said, one of those defensive slugfests. You're not gonna beat Montana 55 to 45. Like that is pro I mean, some teams have, and, and it happens every once in a great while, but Realistically, you're not going to go into Missoula and do that, at least not year one of the Jason Eck program. So that's that's a big thing that we I wanted to call out. We have a bunch of other players that I pulled a bunch of stats for that are all doing incredible things. And I'm sorry if we don't have the time to get your names out there, but I did want to call out Ricardo Chavez. He has not missed a kick yet. It's back to the back to the golden days of Idaho kicking game. Yeah, uh, Chavez is 10 for 10. I've been saying whenever I record, dude's a pro. Essentially, he's a pro. Uh, he's He no-kick attempts beyond 50 yards. He's one for one between 40-49, four for four between 30 and 39, and he's five for five uh, from shorter than 29 yards. Uh, no drama at all when Chavez walks out there walk, walks out there in special teams, man. So, no, uh, good thing. I'm glad you brought that up because in close games, look, teams like Eastern will lose games because of Seth Harrison missing kicks. Uh, Idaho right Shout now. Out to Dome. Idaho team uh, teams against Idaho are two of five kicking field goals this season. Idaho's ten for ten. We're probably going to pick up a win, a close win, because Chavez just doesn't miss. Brian, we're we're over the hour mark. Uh, there's a handful of players we could mention, and we could get into the the stats about how good Roshan has looked and how good's how good Woods has looked. Woods, honestly, one of the probably five best running backs in the, the big sky at the moment, at least statistically. We could get into that stuff. Is there anything that you have missed or you wanted to get off your chest about the first five weeks of Vandal football? Um, look, if you want to run through the stats in a second, uh, go ahead. My big takeaway, Idaho's taking care of business. We we looked respectful, respectful in the P5 games. We had to get the momentum of picking up those three wins early. Idaho beat the shit out of all three teams uh, to get to three and two. We're we're at a bye heading into the we look we have set Montana traveled Montana 
host Portland State, travel Sac State. That's probably the roughest three-game run the entire season has other than, you know, the first first three weeks. So I'm feeling pretty damn good about where Idaho was, Idaho's been. Um, no buyer's remorse whatsoever about anything we've said about the coaching staff coming in. Uh, honestly, the the coaching staff and the players too. Like we talk about the coaching staff because that's a radical change, but look, players take care of business too. Uh, the, the team as a whole is taking care of business. Uh, but no buyer's remorse whatsoever on essentially anything we've said uh, regarding this team to this point. Um, I'm pretty stoked for a week off. I bet the team's pretty stoked for a week off, might help injury-wise. And the other thing that we just have is symmetry with Montana is Montana has a week off. So if you're like, if there's any anxiety about, you know, the bi-week hangover that some teams have, well, both teams are going to have the exact same situation of either the bi-week helps for injuries or it's a hangover or both. But there isn't anything extra that Idaho is going to have to overcome or anything different Idaho is going to have to overcome heading into Montana, who realistically is not the best team we've played this season. That's probably that is Washington State. But as far as a big sky team, uh, this is this, you know, this is the as a fan, the the matchup you always have circled as the game people probably care about the most. But also Montana has beaten the shit out of everyone they've played, except they had a narrow win at Idaho State, where there's no drama whatsoever. The game was never in question. Uh, but that's look, that's where I am, man. Uh, if I, I've, we've talked about a lot of individual players, who, and I'm I'm happy about what we've covered. My biggest takeaway after this fun as hell homecoming weekend is Idaho's doing what they need to, and I have not been able to say that for a long time. So I'm going to spoil everybody here and give a little bit about Brian's personal life. Brian is a teacher. So I'm going to make him do the hardest thing of all. Give us a letter grade, Brian. What would you What would you give Idaho this season? You can break it up, but you, know, you can grade offense, defense, special teams. You can grade position groups. You can grade the team as a whole. I'm not a teacher, so I'm, I'm going to let you take charge and tell us how how this season has gone. This might be a surprise. I'm not going to go nay. Um, I've listened to Jason Eck talk on in. Um, press conferences about the things that his team, this team needs to do. And the thing Jason X talks about some of it's what we've talked about today is the penalties. They, they just have to get better. I bet this is going to be the first press conference. He has where Jason X talks about defensive outing, not being what we thought, what we needed, but I'm going to go B plus reason. The reasons for B plus is we, we look the defense defensively huge improvement. Um, offensively things look like they're coming together a little bit more every single week. And just like we talked about back in the spring, don't be shocked if it does take the offense a little bit of time to to get you know to really hit the ground. And I think Northern Colorado is probably the week we're going to look at and say this is where things really came together, especially with uh, confidence in Giovanni McCoy having three straight very good, good games. I mean, he was fine in the Power Five games too, but he's been very good in FCS games. Um, penalties are a big deal. Being that far down in the Big Sky, like you referenced, that that's that's a big concern, and. I know, I know there's the asterisk of the, um, of looking at the overall stats because of the two power five games, but I still have a little anxiety about the offensive line as a whole that, you know, rush rushing 3.9 yards per rush. That is, uh, that's, that's certainly not close to best in the big sky and relative to how much Jason Eck wants to run again, he's run not quite twice as many times as past, but that's the comparison is rushing around twice as many, or at least 1.5 times as many times as we pass, uh, Still a little concerned about offensive line holding up against the best of our 
uh, best of our schedule because we we have seen offensive line struggling against our power five games, which they should, but we've seen we have seen struggle. So I'd say overall B plus. Uh, there's a lot of grades where this if we like we're going individual rooms, we'd get A's. Like you, know, you talk about special teams, damn. Special teams has looked absolutely great. So like that's an easy A. But overall, I'd say this is a B plus. Um, I'm with Jason Eck from what I've heard in press conferences, as in Idaho still for us to know Idaho is a good big sky conference team. There's a few tests we have to pass that we just haven't got to, we haven't got taken yet, but um, overall it's a B plus that could very easily become an A. If, if you're talking emotionally, you can't grade this anything other than an A plus Idaho has been in every single game. They took it to two different power five schools had leads in both of those games, had leads outside the first quarter in both of those games. Idaho is, if you're just purely reacting on emotion, three huge blowout wins, two close-ish losses to teams that realistically over the last decade, Idaho had no business even attempting to, to play against, even when they were in the FBS. They went and just got absolutely blown apart by, by bigger schools like that. So if you're reacting emotionally, A plus. Like you can't give this anything other than an A plus just from the general emotion of this season. If you really break down to it, I I'd probably even go with the B. I'm but I'm also the negative guy. So to me, this season overall so far at a B because you do you do have those issues. The we've talked about the penalties, we've talked about the conversions. Other thing we didn't mention is the sacks. The offensive line is is still terrifying to me. Yes, they held up great against Northern Colorado. And, I mean, shout out to them. I hope that's what we see the rest of the season. Not a single sack, almost 300 yards rushing on the ground. You can't really be a whole lot better uh, playing on the line than, than they were against Northern Colorado. But they're still 10th in the league against, in sacks against. And I know 10 of those sacks came from Wazoo in Indiana, and you're, you expect to see that. The depth and the size of those guys are completely different. But... The the things that Idaho is missing again the penalties and the conversions are kind of the the brain stuff the the stuff that just you you have to clean up with repetition you have to clean up by just really like using your head and not I'm not like not trying to insult anybody I don't mean that as an insult it's this is a program that was led the last two coaches and realistically if you go back more and more and more the last handful of coaches were not the best at discipline. Um, there have been pretty well-documented issues with Aki's discipline at the end of his tenure. And then Petrino, well, yes, he was a taskmaster and guys weren't getting arrested terribly frequently. There was no cleanliness to his, his game. There was no, I mean, anybody remember going down to Northern Colorado and big PP and little PP. I, I know his name is Mason, but the two of them committing, personal fouls on the same goddamn play that ruined that game. Like this is a, a problem that has been infested in Idaho for a very long time. It's going to take a long time to clean up. That's the only reason I would give this a B. The The penalty thing is, is just, it's on coaching and it, it's going to take a long time for the coaching staff to correct the last 25 years of issues here. So that's the only reason I'd give this a B those penalties are going to bite us in the ass at some point. And I, I say us as the, the Idaho Vandals. The penalties will bite this team at some point in a game that is winnable and they just can't get it done because of, of cleanliness and sloppiness. And until that's cleaned up, I can't I can't give this anything more than a B. 
Yeah, in the comment thread, Mark McEnany says he'd give an A minus, fix the penalties, then A plus for a year one turnaround. Uh, the thing that I look, the, this is how I'd bifurcate it uh, grade the team, grade the ride. This ride's an A plus, guys. This has been only fun. I don't, again, I don't care if we lose some games and it's fun and we're competitive and you see the team fighting. I, we don't need perfection for this to, to be a ride worth staying, just keeping glued to the entire season. So, yeah, the ride this season, A plus. Team's got some stuff to fix before we say, look, A plus, you'd have to say that's like best in the big sky or right around best in the big sky. There's some things that we look at to say, hey, this team has some improvement before they're best in the big sky. We also just haven't had the big tests yet. So that that's how I'd go. Dallas, I think we're ready for the big sky pickup at this point, aren't we? Absolutely. So and if anybody's listening to this and and noticing that we are talking about recapping the season and now big sky pick them. The reason we're bringing that up is because we're not going to have a show next week. It's a bye week. So there's nothing to preview. There's no no reaction on the weekend. So we are going to take a week off. That's why we're giving you a little bit longer reaction. I mean, a lot bit longer reaction show today because we wanted to go over the again the first quote unquote half of the season and also give you the pick them for what we think is going to happen this week. So producer seducer Martin Heemster is back in. I see that he's got the rally visor on. Looks like he's ready to turn his his uh, his frown upside down and his schedule get it back on track. First game is well, oh, Dallas. One last thing, we got to pat ourselves on the back. You and me have not. Dallas and I are perfect big, picking the Big Sky in the last three weeks. So if anyone here is wanting to make some money on Big Sky games, tune in right now. Again, zero losses between us two. Martin has a single loss, which will make fun of him for having faith in Northern Arizona this past week. But other than that, Martin's losses are bullshit because he just won't pick Montana. Between the three of us, that's one total Big Sky loss in conference play. It's almost like we might know what we're talking about. I I hesitate because I don't I don't like compliments. I don't like thinking of myself in anything more than a I hate you type of feeling. So, um, I have I have my demons. I have self loathing. But Brian is correct. We have done a very good job at picking. And again, we're not picking against the spread. So maybe don't use all of our advice to gamble. But if you want to know who's going to win the game, we have we do have a pretty good idea around here. So well, we do have a rougher week. With that. That gets us into game one. Cal Poly versus NAU, two pretty terrible teams that nobody really cares about. I don't think even their fans really care about either of these teams. Let's kick it off. Cal Poly, NAU, who we got? I'm going to go Cal Poly. They just announced their new performance center. It looks really nice. Hopefully they can beat NAU and get the ball rolling on that. So this is tough without knowing whether Jaden Jones is going to be playing for Cal Poly. Spencer Brash has been in his, at quarterback and he looked fine ish for the last couple of weeks. Northern Arizona looked like shit being down 28 to seven to Portland state, but they did rally almost win. I guess I'm going to have, I'm going to go with Cal Poly with no confidence here just because, sorry, I'm going to go with NAU with no confidence here just because Cal Poly has like the shittiest defense I've ever seen. So I, I just have to expect the team like Northern Arizona is going to face plant into a couple touchdowns they're not used to. This is probably the hardest game to pick on the schedule just because of, of what Cal Poly's history is. We, we know NAU, we've seen NAU. But Cal Poly this year got blown out by Fresno State. Again, you expect that. You're, you're going up a league. They got blown out by Sacramento State on homecoming uh, just yesterday, which again, Sac State, one of the best teams in the, the country. They lost to South Dakota by 17. Then they beat San Diego by one point. San Diego has a win against Laverne, who's not D1, 
58 to zero. And then they have lost every game the rest of the season. So I'm going to have to go with NAU. I'm not confident in it. Just like Brian, I'm going to go NAU because it's in NAU. And because until I think Bo Baldwin has another two or three years, this team is probably just going to be pretty mediocre to bad. So NAU for Brian and I coward Polly for Martin. That takes us to maybe the easiest game to pick on the schedule. Idaho state versus Montana state. Montana state. Yeah, Montana State's able to run the ball in spite of having all the running back injury issues. Uh, also, backup quarterback Sean Chambers looks like he might be better than Tommy Malott. Not just saying that because a backup has a nice game. It's that they're, they're similar style players, and Chambers just looks like he might be a more effective passer as well. So uh, Montana State is going to have a pre- pretty damn easy win. Please do not buy into one week. Idaho State looks okay when Montana has their shittiest performance of the year. The game was never in doubt, and that was more Montana just not slamming the door shut montana state's gonna win easy yeah absolutely montana state in this one no question uh again idaho state yes the final score was was close against montana but realistically they were down 28 to 6 it was a couple garbage time touchdowns that got them within a prayer of getting an onsides kick to try to tie the game this is not going to be a close game especially because it's in montana state the you know the the 70s porno dome is going away in in isu so Maybe they're getting a little bit of a home field advantage. Maybe that helped getting Montana on the road, but traveling to Bozeman, they're going to get their butts kicked. So that takes us to another fun game. Northern Colorado versus Sacramento State. You're obviously saving the game of the week for later. So Sacramento State is going to do to Northern Colorado what Idaho should have done to Northern Colorado. It's not going to be close. Sacramento State. Yeah, Sacramento State's gonna yeah again. Sacramento State's gonna win this easy. Sacramento State uh, has honestly in their FCS games essentially only had blowout wins. Uh, this last week, Sacramento State cruised to a yeah you know, like Dallas said a forty nine twenty one win over Cal Poly. Sac State only has one week where they haven't scored over forty guys. Uh, this is this team can absolutely move the ball. So yeah, not close. Yeah, Sac State's going to do to Northern Colorado for four quarters what Idaho should have done to them for four quarters. This is not going to be close. That takes us to Lincoln University at Portland State. If Portland State doesn't beat them by at least 60, then Barnum should. I don't. He should. It shouldn't be close. Like, if they don't score 60, then they should just. Athletic department should just can the football team there i just love that we'll be six weeks into the season and still barely have an idea about does portland state suck or are they kind of okay because of the schedule they play like th- this this week's gonna mean absolutely nothing the only barometer to pay attention to at all was this week portland state holding on for a 35 thir- 28 win or 35 27 win over nau so yeah obviously portland state's gonna win by like 600 um isn't is, the school is, is Lincoln, right? There, I believe a listener told us they're NAIA, so we know they are that. not NAI. They're not NAI. They're nothing. This is like their third year of existing. They don't know what level they are yet. Yeah, they're. It's it's tough to find anything about Lincoln University online, guys. It, Lincoln University might not even be a real place. Who who knows? This could be some sort of embezzling scheme for Bruce Barnum and Dots Pretzels. Who who really knows? But Nick Weber jumping in the comments, top five PSU, 59 to nine. Yeah, PSU by a million. This is. I think he means he's 10 points off that total. He is, but I wasn't going to correct him for it. But uh, 
PSU, for anybody that's not a math guy, 59 plus 10 is 69. Nice. Uh, yeah, this is this is going to be a bloodbath. This game is not going to be close. And even if Portland State was Idaho State, I would take Idaho State by a landslide. We can't even figure out if... I just Googled Lincoln University. They're 2-2 two and two on the season. I don't even know if this is the right university. They're playing teams like Delaware State, Central State, Fayetteville State, Johnson C. Smith. Never heard of any of these schools. This is this is Portland State all the way. That takes us to the actual game of the week. Eastern Washington at Weber State. Uh, Weber State. I'm going Weber State. Uh, Eastern abs- Eastern can't defend the run whatsoever, which is the direction Weber State prefers to go. Uh, also, Weber State with new offensive co- coordinator uh, Mikey Mantle or Mental. He Weber State has had they, they had one low scoring game against UC Davis, but there were three turnovers. UC Davis has had a, sorry, uh, Weber's had a couple games where, in spite of turning the ball over more than you'd guess out of Weber State team. They're still fine offensively. So I, I don't think there's much drama here. I think it's a terrible matchup for Eastern because they can't guard and they're not going to be able to force the turnovers that Weber State, that teams who stay close to Weber State have been able to force. So yeah, Weber. So very quick correction here on the Lincoln University, whatever the hell their mascot is. Uh, they are based in Oakland, California. A couple years ago, they lost to Whitworth, Whitworth, the D3 school in Spokane, 31 to 29. So Portland State all the way on that one. But I got to go with Weber State against Eastern. Weber State, this might be the return of this team being the, the top school in the big sky. The, if Mickey Mental's offense continues to do what the, what they have done, I don't see Eastern going down there and beating them. Eastern's tough to project because they have gone to two very good Power 5 programs and just absolutely gotten their butts handed to them. So it it's tougher to project Eastern, but Weber State... Weber State might already have the best. Well, Bob, what if I news, told you Brian. Eastern's win against Tennessee State is looking a little worse because Tennessee State lost to a D2 team this week? Then, yes, that does that does not look good for them. Uh, if a, D, a team that lost to a D2 school ran all over you, that's probably not good for a team that still does have Josh Hill and still might want to make this a 13-7 game. Who knows? They could they could flash back to two years ago and, and try to win this 13-7. Is but. Josh Hill head coach Jay Hill's illegitimate brother? Or, ah, damn it, you're right. I'm sorry. That's I cool. combined the two names. But anyways, Weber by, a, Weber by a close margin. I don't think it's going to be a huge blowout, but I don't think Weber, I don't think Weber really ever has this in question. So... That takes us to the last three games on the schedule. Montana versus their bye week. UC Davis versus their bye week. And Idaho versus their bye week. You guys have any strong feelings on either of these? Bye week beats Montana. I feel the bye week will be good for UC Davis because it'll give another week between Davis's next loss. Uh, people are pretty damn slow to accept Davis as not being that great. And this will this will this will add another week of Davis being okay. Um, I'm more interested in Idaho's bye week in how many top 25 votes the Vandals get. We Idaho had a few last week, and I would expect that number is going to climb. Uh, if I like, if Idaho's top 25 this week, that kicks ass. If we go to Montana and have a strong showing, I'd say if we're not 20 top 25, you should not pay attention to FCS bowls whatsoever. 
and you might not need to pay attention to FCS polls whatsoever. But Brian Baring on that. Realistically, we've got our own show ranking the Big Sky Conference. That's way more important than any of the the stats or hero or whatever the hell they've rebranded themselves to. Who cares about those polls? What's important is that Idaho is not bad anymore. The rebrand should be good. The rebrand is the analyst, or as my little brother prefers that I call it, the analyst. And that's about it for us, guys. That. Whew, we made it to an hour and a half, and the analyst, I think, is the perfect way to end this. So, you guys got anything else you wanted to talk about? Northern Colorado or the first half of the, the schedule? Anything at all? Final final chance. Yeah, our final sponsorship is Tubbs at the Club sponsoring itself, dudes. Hammer that subscribe button on YouTube. The more subscribers we get, the more likely we are to get paid. We got to get to 1,000. That's when YouTube decides they're going to pay us. Uh, in addition to that, guys... Uh, patreon.com backslash tubs the club for hashtag only tubs you got we have some merch we'll send you right when we get your address uh but we we got we have kick-ass support guys we have patrons who stay who stayed for quite a while uh, your support lets us do a lot of stuff including fun stuff so uh you want to help support the show that's the way to do it if you're going to be smoking weed in the student section like i smelled yesterday bring a sploof so it doesn't stink up the whole section that's all i got or edibles are a thing do that like pre-game yourself real good it's it's easy to figure this thing out but again they're students and students if you are listening to this please shut the fuck up on offense you guys got better at it in the fourth quarter but that whole first half you're chanting and making noise while the offense is trying to work it's the one thing and i'm sure x probably going to have a video congratulating you guys on how great again the student section was phenomenal caused some false starts northern colorado had some issues Guys, you got to be quiet when the Vandals have the ball. That, like that's that's the deal. It's the handshake agreement we make here. Lose your shit when the the defense is on the field, but when the offense is on the field, you've got to be nice and quiet, just like this. With that said, to the Picasso of Atros we go. Go, mighty Vandals. Go Vandals. My fucker. Jesus Christ. God damn it. <laughs>